Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Evelyn Partners Investment Podcast. I'm Cherry Raynard, and with me today is Ben Seeger-Scott, Head of Multi-Asset Funds. We're going to be looking at what the early data from 2023 is telling us about the global economy and what that means for markets. We're recording this on Monday, the 6th of February, 2023. Before we begin, here's some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk, depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. Okay, welcome, Ben. Um, Now, the FTSE 100 hit a new peak last week. Um, Is that cause for optimism or should investors actually be cautious? Well, you know, the UK equity market has been on a tear for, for a year or more. What I would say, equity markets generally over the long term tend to be sort of upward sloping. So it's not actually that unexpected that, that markets hit fresh, fresh all time highs. What's much more important, more important indeed that, than the level is valuation and, and fundamentals. And I think from that perspective, actually, whilst perhaps the, the UK is a little less attractive than it was, it's still cheap compared to both to its history and compared to other global markets. And that really reflects how far the UK fell behind the rest of the world in the preceding years, not just the UK itself, but a lot of the sectors that the UK has exposure to, uh, oil and gas, materials and financials. Those really left behind when we had that, that strong growth rally of recent years. Some of that has started to come into reverse, but it's still uh, a long way off being around about fair value. So it still looks pretty attractive from a valuation level. Okay. And then over in the US, there were disappointing earnings from some of the real big technology companies, including, surprisingly, Apple, which has been quite resilient. Um, What's driven that? Well, lots of factors are all all coming together, really. I mean, on on Apple, they've had a few production problems in China. China's suffering uh, a COVID outbreak, and that disrupts some of the supply chain. But more broadly, technology companies are both suffering a general cyclical slowdown, and I think they're a bit of a victim of some of their their recent successes. They were growing so fast, particularly over the COVID years, a lot of that work from home shift drove growth to really high levels, so expectations were very high. I think it was inevitable that a lot of that would slow down, and now we are seeing a bit of a slowing in the economy. Both businesses and consumers are starting to use a little bit less, and valuations already a little bit toppy before. So some of that valuation enthusiasm has come back at the same time. Earnings uh, are facing some challenges ahead. So really, it's been a little bit uh, of a bumpy ride. But generally, it's a bit of a normalisation. The idea that any one sector will be leading forever rarely, rarely pans out. So I think this is a bit of a return to the norm. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed Google... Google's cloud business was um, still growing at over 30%, but that was considered disappointing. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Turning to central banks, um, the Fed, ECB and Bank of England all raised rates last week, as expected. 
Um, was there anything new in the accompanying statements? I know they're being very sort of closely scrutinised. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the central banks tend to use um, a lot of signalling. It's not just the, the actual announcements themselves, but quite a lot of central bank officials, the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of England, they give a lot of talks uh, and lectures where they, where, where they give some of their particular views and reflect on the views of the committee. I mean, as you say, they've continued to hike, but they're starting to slow down. The Fed slowed to, to 25 basis points. So, you know, the US rate's now 4.75. Uh, the UK and, and the, oh, sorry, the Bank of England and, and the European Central Bank both did half a percent, um, but that takes them to 4% and 3% respectively, still a little behind uh, the US Federal Reserve. But all of the banks are now signalling this slowdown. Interestingly, the Bank of Canada you know, not, not a big impact central bank overall, but they've explicitly said now they're going to take a little bit of a pause and that's taken as a signal and other central banks will will start to, to do the same. I think within that, if you look at the Bank of England, whilst they hiked rates, two members actually voted to hold rates. It's the other seven that, that pushed those rates higher. So there's a lot of this this turning towards a pause. And, you know, we talk about some, some of the details coming out uh, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, he had lots of opportunity to push back against all this talk about pausing. He didn't. So even though he didn't say explicitly, the mere fact he had the opportunity and just wouldn't be drawn is sort of tacitly accepting maybe that's that's on the horizon. And there's a lot of talk about lag effects. They're waiting to see what hap- what happens with this hiking cycle. If they just pause and see how it how it works on that sort of six to nine month lag, you often get from from central banks. That's what a lot of the the rhetoric is now focused on. And what I mean, what's your view on the on the likely path of inflation and interest rates, or is it too difficult to tell? Well, it's I mean, it, it it's always difficult to tell in, in the detail. I think there are a few things that are clear. Some things that are less clear. Uh, most clear to me is is there's a very high likelihood that inflation is going to continue falling. And that's largely for mechanical reasons. You know, we we look at last year's prices compared to this year. We had all of those spikes uh, last year. It's very difficult to see those continuing. Things like oil price and gas price, they've come down from those highs last year. So there's almost a mechanical effect, so-called base effects, to bring those lower. So inflation is likely to head down. I think the problem is going to be figuring out where, where it sort of pauses. And I, I worry a lot of people think it will just go all the way back to sort of the target or below. They sort of envisage this spike from very low levels, a spike up and then back to normal. And I think that's probably not going to be the case. I mean, if you look at core inflation, so you strip out these really volatile elements, you take out energy and food prices, that's still at pretty high levels. And that's pretty pretty sticky. Um, core inflation, both in the UK and US, is around about 6%. Now, that may fall a little further from here, um, but that makes some of these low low levels of inflation much, much less likely, I think. So to me, inflation is probably going to come down from these extreme levels, but I expect it to settle in a range somewhere above target, around about the 2 to 4% range. And that's actually quite manageable, but it is a, a different environment. And really where the speed with which that inflation comes down will be key to, to what central banks do and how much scope they have to both pause and at some point in the future, cut those interest rates. And what impact is all this having on the bond market? I mean, there seems to have been, I mean, literally over the past 
few days, there seems to have been a bit of a spike in yields, suggesting investors are slightly revising their view on rates. Well, this is where things start to get uh, really quite interesting. There is currently a bit of a disconnect between market pricing. So markets view, we can look out in the bond market, see what, what's everyone pricing in. The market's currently pricing in um, sharp tightening, tightening over the next few months, levelling out in the summer, and then towards the end of the year, they'll start to cut rates. Whereas central banks have been saying, probably not going to be cutting this year, maybe next year. And that sort of disconnect, I think, is is what is where a lot of the interest lies. I think um, if you look on forward uh, inflation expectations, so this is not the backward looking 10% that we're, that we're currently going through. This is in the future. And if you look in the US, actually markets think the next year or two, inflation will drop 2%. And that's a very fast rate of, of fall. Um, and so I think the central banks are saying inflation is coming down pretty fast. But if it starts to, that rate of descent starts to slow, if it settles at a higher level, maybe rates will need to be a little bit higher. If it does fall faster, then maybe the market's right. So where those two settle is is a key watch point. I think that fluctuation is, is just reflecting those points. And of course, these things never happen in a straight line. You don't get all the data giving you a consistent message. And that's, you know, that that's leads to volatility in the markets. In many ways, that volatility and that risk and that uncertainty, that's what investors are, are sort of rewarded for, for embracing. So that fluctuation really represents uh, the, the difference between inflation expectations now coming down actually quite quickly, but some other measures such as labour markets a little bit tighter and some of that, that dichotomy is, is causing some some volatility in the bond market. Yeah, I mean, talking about inconsistent messaging, the US job numbers on Friday were kind of extraordinary. I mean, the US economy added what, 500,000 jobs against estimates of 185,000. I mean, that looks that looks odd and sort of incompatible with, you know, a lot of recessionary expectations that are, that are out there in the market. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, it, it is confusing in one sense. But, but like I said, market data, they don't all collaborate, say, right, let's give a, a clear message. You know, so I, I think the numbers in the market, you always need to accept there's going to be a lot of volatility uh, and US labour market numbers are notoriously volatile. Um, but you're right, this is an area that the Fed and others are watching. And, and for a long time, this this tightness in labour markets has been a reason that, that many, ourselves included, have been a little cautious. Uh, it's difficult to see inflation coming down when you have extremely tight labour markets. Now, there are sort of counterfactuals within that. We, we, we spend a lot of time looking at the US labour market report. Um, and it's useful over the medium term for broad signalling. It's not an amazing survey in and of itself. It gets a lot of headlines, but there's lots of challenges with it. For example, particularly now, January is the subject of a lot of seasonal revisions. You get a lot of seasonal workers laid off in the US and that can cause um, some some spikes in the data. Uh, and the, the way this, these data are calculated, it's called establishment level. So it's a, a, quite a broad stroke. They calculate things like earnings, not by looking at how much all the individuals being paid, but what's your overall uh, wage bill and how many people are employed. So it can get skewed quite significantly. And that's probably why we saw, saw this spike. It's not that 500,000 people have just been employed. It's probably somewhere in those details and some of the seasonality. But some of the other data as well, if you look at unemployment, which is expected to rise, instead it fell to a 53-year low. So, you know, you can't discount it entirely. 
but I, I, I think this is causing a little bit of the volatility. There are always lag effects with these with these elements as well. It's also worth remembering that particularly as we think about recessions, often labour markets are a lagging indicator. What we often see is an economic recession. Then in response, companies start cutting costs uh, and, and laying people off. So they don't always happen in advance. But it does mean you know we, we need to look very carefully at different signals in favour of, for example, recession indicators or, or changes in interest rates, but then arguments against. And of course, yeah, the, the job numbers sit in the perhaps things are, are hotter in the economy than we otherwise thought. So it's a, it's a careful balancing act. So, Ben, it's obviously your job to take all this information and try and make sense of it. Um, I wonder if you can talk me through your overall asset allocation positioning today, any themes that are sort of running through uh, your thinking? Absolutely. Well, as you know, Evelyn Partners, we've got a, a wide range of mandates depending on the needs of the client. But we do offer some sort of central guidance from an asset allocation point of view. And within that, we're now neutral on equities. We're a little bit more positive Last year, we brought that back to neutral sort of Q4 last year. But that's reflecting this balance between some of the short-term positivity from liquidity, from this expectation that central banks will pause in their hiking cycle. But weighing against that, interest rates are at a restrictive level, and that's going to throw some grit in the cogs of the global economy. Um, So we've sort of trimmed back some of that positivity back to neutral, reflecting the balance of those factors. But within equities, there's a lot more detailed guidance we offer. For example, we like the UK. The UK is home to a lot of good multinational companies in sectors we like. Energies, oil and gas doing particularly well. Materials looks fairly attractive too. Um, And as we face down a a tougher environment, some of the more defensive names and those companies that offer a reasonable dividend yield all seem relatively attractive against a challenging outlook. Whilst against that, some of the more cyclical areas and the US still looks a little bit expensive, we're tending to favour areas away from those slightly riskier areas and really looking for a balance across style styles, um, not being afraid to, to hold defensive names and oil and gas, some of those areas that have been a little bit unloved. So that's equity. But in terms of, of government bonds, government bonds is an area that we've avoided for quite a long time when yields have been extremely low. They've looked unattractive. And now we've had the sharp sell-off through 2022. They're a lot more attractive. We started adding back to government bonds around about the middle of last year. But more recently, we started to add some of these inflation-linked bonds. And that's on a view that on a forward basis, inflation expectations have now fallen quite far, quite a low level, around about 2% inflation expected over the next couple of years. And as I said earlier, that looks a little bit optimistic and we think it'll probably settle at a, at a slightly higher level. So we think it's positive in terms of our central allocation, just a guide to, to add some of those exposures back that can benefit if inflation is indeed uh, high and those ex- expectations move from low levels to, to a little bit above target. OK, great. Thank you, Ben, for that comprehensive roundup. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. All references and lines spoken about in this episode can be found in the episode show notes. And you can find lots of other investment articles on eveling.com, including our latest outlook. Daniel Kasali will be back with us in the studio for our next podcast episode. And we'd love to have you join us then if you can. 
Please do subscribe to our show if you haven't done so, and you can rate and review us in the App Store. Until next time.